Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, special treat today. Matt Baker, our college football writer, has stopped by. It's been a while since we've talked to you, Matt. And, um, boy, we got some stuff to talk about, like uh, how the landscape of college football is changing ever so rapidly uh, with the NILs, the name, image, and likeness situation. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I'll just say this to start off. Uh, I talked to a coach that we all know, uh, not locally. He's a college football coach the other day. <laughs> I asked how he was doing. He goes, and I'll try not to imitate him because I'll give it away. But he said, he goes, man, he goes, this NIL stuff, it's killing us. They're just paying players. They're just paying players. Yep. <laughs> now, I think, I think there was a little exaggeration about that because I'm, I'm, I'm aware that uh, this particular school has some NIL programs of their own uh, and has been successful in getting some players. But um, it does seem like the Wild West out there, Matt, and I know you got a lot of thoughts about what is happening now with the transfer portals, with college football, with NAILs, and, and, and you know, states are regulating this. We can get on all that and the advantages and disadvantages depending on where your school is. But in general, what's your, what's your opening uh, salvo here? <laughs> My opening salvo is that I, I was um, – I, I wanted to come on the podcast because I wanted to talk about this because I don't know what to write, right? Like my my main job – I'm a writer. I write, but I, I sat at the computer last week and I tried writing stuff and nothing came. Nil. What are we doing here? And I think you have to say it just like that. What, what, what are we doing here? Because <laughs> I don't know. Um, th- there's there's so much uncertainty still. Like the NCAA recently released some guidance to try to, you know, not even put guardrails, but kind of help people understand what's okay and what's not okay. And I read it and I was like, okay, I'm still very confused about literally every single thing. And maybe I'm just dumb. Don't answer that. But it just doesn't make any sense. And my, my, this, this is where, I, where we're going with all this. In one sentence, it's the following. Why are we, it seems like NIL is going through a lot of different steps to not pay the players directly, which would be the easiest thing. Um, there's so many different things out there that, because really there's kind of two different kinds of NIL at this point. Um, there's the one, which is what it was supposed to be. And that everybody, I think just about everybody agrees is fine. Uh, Rick Stroud, you know, the you know star baseball player, wants to go sign autographs, great. Wants to be in a, uh, you know, make sponsored Instagram posts, great. Wants to hold the Rick Stroud baseball camp at his high school, great. I don't think anybody, you know, most people agree that all is reasonable. And then there's... NIL disguises pay for play, which is if you come to school X or stay at school X, we will give you $300,000, $500,000, $2 million, $8 million, whatever the figure is. And $8 million is over, I think it was four or five years is the the highest figure that's been credibly reported. Look, you you can disguise it and do say how you're doing it in every different way, but it sure as heck sounds like pay for play. In which case, what are we doing here? 
Yeah, it, it sounds that way, and yet I still think there's a way, um, and I, and I kind of think it's right to get, you know, to to allow players to have a piece of the pie. In other words, there, there's also some constructive things that can occur with with these NILs. I think part of the problem is they open the box, and and it's difficult now to to try to rein it back in. And, and you know, there there are obviously states that are, are implementing laws and, and restrictions and things like that. But there's some good things that are coming of this. I generally believe, Matt, and I don't know that you disagree with me that players deserve a piece of something. Um, how how it was going to be done was always you know going to be the question. And you know, uh, like for example, you know, BYU. Uh, has an NIL uh, that might end up providing scholarships for walk-on players. I think that's right. a good thing. You know what I mean? So, um, and I'm, I've always been one former athlete that, you know, I, I mean, I look at the the money in the budgets of these athletic programs and how much they make, and the only one's not getting anything beyond the education, and I'm not dismissing that or, mm-hmm. or the players. So I want them to have money in their hands. Um, do they need you know, millions and millions of dollars. Well, that's what the market bears. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be too easy for abuse right now. And I think that's what we're seeing. And and now, I, you know, the other part of it is, uh, you know, what's the implementation of these? Are these contracts? Like I wanted to ask you because I don't know. Are these contracts I would sign? Could a, could a, could a, a school present um, an advertiser or a business person um, that says, hey, we'll sign you uh, to a three-year, uh, you know, six million dollar deal, but four million dollars are in the third year, and you get, you know, one million this year, one like to keep you from going in the portal. Like, how how are these things even structured from from the standpoint of enforcement of, you know, a guys actually getting the money they're promised? Like, I there's so many questions here that I, I don't think I don't think they thought this through before they just sort of said, hey, everybody for themselves. Yeah. So. Let's rewind the clock to June-ish of last year, because it started on July 1st, uh, is, was the day, I believe. So let's rewind the clock, and what was supposed to happen, were most of these deals would, yeah, yes, Company X wants you, Rick Stroud, to do these social media posts. And how it had been explained to me is, you know, this was a new market with college athletes, because that was a market that didn't exist. But by and large, we know that if you have 10,000 Twitter followers and Instagram followers, a social media post is worth X. You have 100,000, it's worth Y. You have a million, it's worth Z. Like there's a, a market in place for that. There's some rough guidelines. So in theory, what was supposed to happen is if you do agree, you know, you can have a contract, you're going to do five posts, Instagram posts a month based on your following, we would pay you X. And that, that would be the contract. Um, and, and again, there are some of those. Where it's gotten, I would argue, crazy is with some of these collectives. And so collective is basically a bunch of people who get together and put their money in a pot, which they can then use for players. So there's different ways to do it. The Gator Collective, for instance, um, you know, they, they get, it's mostly kind of, I would argue, not the big boosters, the normal fans. 25 bucks a month whatever it is you you put you know put give to the collective and then you get access to players you can do a meet and greet a a cookout in gainesville you know that type of stuff um but there's also collectives that kind of do a different thing which is get all of our money together and they're almost like a 
almost like a marketing company where as the athletic reported with a five-star quarterback, the, the one who's um, getting an $8 million deal, basically you sign with the collective. We will pay you $8 million doled out in this, this increments over the next four years, five years, whatever it is. And in exchange, we get your NIL rights. So when you go do a, um, an autograph session at this place, they pay you $1,000. Well, the $1,000 goes to us because we already fronted you the money. And then if you get paid more than $8 million over the course of the contract, you get 80%, we get 20 you know, whatever it is. But that's the type of stuff that's, that's happening now. And that's something, that's a, again, maybe I'm, I'm dumb, but that is a consequence that I did not foresee happening I didn't foresee it happening, and I certainly didn't foresee it happening in the first year and in the first seven months or whatever. Yeah. But that's where it's gone, and it's to the point where this this there were very clear lines. This is not supposed to be a recruiting inducement. It's it's not it's not supposed to be that. Boosters are not supposed to be involved, and yet boosters are involved, and it's very clearly recruiting inducements. I mean, uh, Miami had a player, a football player commit uh, to transfer from it was ucla not too long ago and in his commitment post he tagged a company that happens to be owned by one of the big time um i guess donors is the word i would use in this context who's been given a lot of money to miami football players for nil deals that i don't understand how that's okay like even if the, the situation where this player is going to do you know do what he's supposed to do in the contract social media posts meet and greets, whatever it is, whatever they agreed upon, where it's a clear quid pro quo. The fact that there's this contact beforehand, and then I, I don't understand how that's legal. And if it's not, if it's illegal, then it needs to be punished and, and everybody needs to be, get hammered. But let's face it, this is the NCAA. Um, <laughs> I remember being at uh, destined for the spring meetings here a couple in uh, I think it was probably 2019 and L- LSU basketball coach was getting grilled because he was on an FBI wiretap a federal wiretap talking about making strong <clears throat> offers to players and then 2020 happened 2021 happened and here he was in Tampa in 2022 the same the LSU coach will wait still had a job yeah. after all yeah. those months after all yeah. those seasons being under f- the NCAA investigation so nobody expects the NCAA to act quickly if they're able to do anything. And what are, and, and if they don't do anything, then, then again, what are we doing here? There's clearly a market where athletes, people want to pay athletes to do things. They want, you know, people have enough disposable income and care enough about their athletic department, their football program, that they want the best players. So there's all these steps being taken to try to prevent that from happening. And it keeps happening in different ways. Because I, I got news, Rick. This is not the first time college football players or recruits have been paid. <gasps> I, hope you're, I, hope, I hope you're sitting down. Oh, my goodness. I should have warned you. I am. Now I'm laying but, down. Oh, yeah, I know. This is, this is shocking. And I hope nobody drove off the road listening to this. <laughs> but it, it's been happening. And now it's happening in a different way. And it yeah. will continue to happen in a different way, no matter how, how the rules change. So at a certain point, what are we doing here? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I, I think, you know, um, this isn't one of those where you got a solution looking for a problem. There is definitely a problem, but it, it, it really has been evident with the whole structure of the NCAA. There's no real authoritative figure. It's conference to conference, right? The SEC essentially runs a lot of it um, because, you know, if you have the most money, um, you can form your own league, and you can you can head any direction you want to. It seems so. The structure of, of the whole you know NCAA is is broken. Um, Mark Emmert has not done anything to prevent this, and now he's stepping down or whatever or has stepped down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we could start there and see if if you could get these presidents to agree to a governing body over college sports, which I think is probably not going to happen. Um, for the reasons we just talked about, then you're going to get Congress involved because Congress loves to get involved, um, you know, uh, and, you know, there'll be some, there are already, you know, state to state, there are differences, right? And let's talk about this. Let me ad- let's address this because I know you, you're, you're well versed in it. Based on the way the laws are written now in this state, in Florida, what disadvantage would Florida State, say, have over uh, against Alabama. So let's rewind the clock back to a couple years ago as this NIL legislation was happening, happening state by state. Florida mm-hmm. was not the first state to pass an NIL. I think that was California. But Florida was one of the first to do so and had the earliest start date. I think it was July 1st, uh, 2021. So that meant because Florida was out in front, they wanted some guardrails. Uh, and it turns out that the NCAA and a bunch of other states as it happened in the months coming up, did not necessarily put those guardrails into place. So that has led to some, I would say, some practical disadvantages. Um, And that's why the the legislature in the last session considered or at least talked about um, whether they needed to change the law. So the main practical difference here is schools and coaches, athletic departments cannot facilitate deals. So again, I I think lawyers and, and lobbyists can kind of debate what is facilitate. But on a practical level, I think some coaches don't, you know, if a student at or a recruit, let's say, comes and says, what are the NIL opportunities at Florida um, or Florida State or Miami or whatever? They, they, there's only so much they can do. They can't look and say, well, I can tell you this, our quarterback got a seven figure deal from this company. And then, oh, you need to talk to this guy. They probably can't quite do that. Um, whereas other states absolutely can. So that's kind of the main practical disadvantage um it also comes into effect like who's going to enforce it like is is billy napier going to get arrested for this like is billy napier going to get sued for this i can't imagine that happening so there's there's just it's just a mess is what it is rick it's an absolute mess where different states have different rules and i mean you talked about the idea of congress getting involved and the ncaa listen to this the ncaa and some coaches and ADs have wanted Congress to get involved to pass some national legislation on this. 
Do you ever want Congress involved with anything in your life or your professional life? Like, let's be real. Uh, I, maybe I'm just a, a government cynic, but I, I don't think a lot of industries say, Congress, please pass legislation to help us. Please, you figure it out for us. I don't think that's a situation that anybody wants, but that's where the NCAA is. And it just leads to some weird situations. Like, I, I'm not picking on the Gator Collective here. I want to make that clear. But the Gator Collective has a deal so okay, Gator Collective again is a third party that deals with NIL deals for Florida athletes. They have a deal through a third party marketing group, Learfield, to have a sponsorship with the University Athletic Association, which is a direct support organization that runs the athletic department for the University of Florida. Think about how many middlemen there are in there for the 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 end goal, which is payers players getting paid. Why are there so many middlemen? What are we doing here? When at the end of the day, good athletes have a market. Some of it is, is you know, their jerseys and, and stuff like that. Some of it's just, this guy's a really good football player and can help my team win. I want him to play at my school and play well. If I have to pay money to make it happen, I will. So it just comes back to there's this fundamental issue. Of, there are people who want to pay money to make this happen. And there are so many steps and middlemen in between making it happen. And, you know, NIL has lowered some of the, 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 um, some of the fences with that, but there's still fences there that everybody's just like opening the gate and walking through. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I kind of was in favor and I am in favor of the transfer portal. I mean, I get it now, although that, that thing is, is being stuffed with, with players going here or there. And I think, you know, they're essentially free agency has come to college football. And the amateurism that really didn't exist in a sense is now laid bare. You know, um, these players are getting paid and some of them will get paid millions of dollars before their career is over. I, on the whole, I don't have a problem with that. I think they were, I think some of these programs were paying players anyway, to your, to your earlier point. Um, but it, it is the wild west. Now it's in the open, so to speak. Um, there's no uniformity. It goes back to the fact that there's no leadership in the NCAA and, and Congress will do that. So, um, from that standpoint, it's, you know, it's problematic to say the least. I think some of these coaches are pulling their hair out, uh, because they can't compete with some of the other schools and they know it and they're going to lose players for money as, as opposed to, uh, you know, another reason like a better football program, education, whatever, um, and 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 it's it's really interesting to sit back and, and sort of watch this occur. Um, you know, is Arch Manning going to go to Florida because they pay him more money? Uh, and I'm not trying to impugn you know, the man's yeah, reputation, yeah. but 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 example. like just for an example, um, I don't have an answer to that. But the suspicion will be that they that he does. You know, um, I think, but what's I think- the transparency on what these guys sign? In other words, what. You know, like, does anybody see these deals? Does anybody regulate these deals? Yeah, they 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 typically go to, through compliance. Um, mm-hmm. What will be interesting to see is, I think the NCAA probably wants to make an example out of somebody, and how right. this. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how does that shake out? Um, because there are there's going to be, a, I think, a paper trail in some capacity. I don't think Arch Manning is the example. No, he's not. Um, but... Just because he's 
you know, he's the highest profile player I could think of, but he's a Manning, so you know. correct. Yeah, he's a, yeah. he doesn't need the money. But no, are there no. are there going to be players, five star recruits who make a decision based on money? Yes. Um, again, I, you're sitting down again. Have there been five star players in the past who have made a decision based on money? <laughs> yes, yes, they have. <laughs> like the the idea that coaches saying, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, other guys are are buying players, and I, I you know, I, we thought we were going to get Johnny, and then somebody goes and offers them three hundred thousand dollars. I can't compete with that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's happened before. So. Uh, yes, I do think it is probably more prevalent now, and I think in some ways it's more out in the open, but still not – look, it's not like uh, the NFL where there's a salary cap where you know, Tom Brady signs a contract. Within minutes, everybody knows this is what it's worth, right? Yeah. It's for this yeah. many years, this much million, this, this guarantee, that sort of thing. It's not like that, so it's somewhere in this in-between space, mm-hmm. which kind of makes it – tough and i'm of the mindset sunlight is the best disinfectant and everything should probably be out in the open and and just treat it like any other market um i don't know if it's going to get there um but my whole thing is we we need to college sports needs to address the problem they they and and the first step to fixing the problem is admitting there is a problem you have one and acknowledging what it is and the problem is not somebody's selling his jersey and making money. It's, it's, it's not that. The problem is people want to pay players. Players, like any human being, want to make money. So that's the issue. We, we can, you can call it any other thing you want, pay for play, NIL, whatever. But that's the fundamental issue here. And until they say this is the problem, how are we actually going to address it? Because they can make all the rules in the world that will go get challenged in court. People are going to find a way around it. So what are we doing here? And I don't, I don't have a solution. I think when it comes to the idea of schools and athletic departments directly paying players, <clears throat> there's, there's issues with that. Um, and I, I haven't quite figured out how I feel about it. Um, I understand that college athletes are different than normal college students like I was, right? Like they live in different places. They have different majors. I, you know, I went to Northwestern. I very rarely saw athletes on campus. I'm not saying they didn't go to class or anything like that, but we, they were just in their own world. And so like, again, let's not pretend that it's, it's the, the olden days where they're hanging out at the quad and, and hmm. taking the same hard class as everybody. Else. No, it's, it's, it's different. So I understand that, but I still also think just making them employees is different. Um, and there's all sorts of questions with that, with Title IX and what have you. But again, it all comes back to let's figure out what the problem is and how to solve it. And, and I mean, you talked a minute ago about NCAA structure. They've been talking for months and figuring, trying to figure out how the NCAA is going to structure itself. And I saw the other day that they're going to miss their self-imposed deadline on their new constitution or whatever. Like they can't even figure out how they're going to fix how they govern, let alone actually doing it. And one of the other problems in this is the whole thing that Florida State and Florida are under the same set of general kind of set of guidelines as, or I should say, in the same organization as Furman and Ferris State or whoever. No, let's acknowledge that these guys are different, and that leads to the the different can of worms of at some point 
the major football powers are going to break away. And that's what needs to happen. The Clemson, Florida State, Alabama, Georgia, you know the guys. They need to break away and do their own thing because what USF is dealing with is very different than what Florida is dealing with. So let's acknowledge that fact and figure out a way to fix it. Yeah, and yet, how is it going to be fixed? I mean, you, you want it done tomorrow, obviously, because college football continues to grind. The machine continues to grind away. And like I said, coaches are losing players to different programs. Will the rich get richer? Or um, is there an opportunity because of this for a player who normally might consider going out of state for, you know, whatever inducements or, or exposure that they would get at an SEC school? might say, you know what, I can get paid at USF too, and maybe I stay home, and maybe I know they won't have as much maybe opportunity as some of the, the higher revenue uh, boosters or schools, but I don't know what money is over at USF. There's some successful people there as well want to see that program succeed. Is, is there any way this could benefit some of the smaller division programs? Yes, absolutely. It, it's going to be like any other – development or change to college sports in, in the history of college sports. You smart ones will fit, will evolve fastest and smartest and figure it out and they will have an advantage. Um, I mean, again, that's, that's been that way for, for, for decades and decades in terms of can go back to like, things like integration, right? That there's valiant real reasons why that should have happened. But one of them for College coaches is competitive reason. So you can go back to any number of examples. The smart ones, the ones that figured out the most will be advantaged. Um, and I think we're already seeing that. Uh, I think Tennessee is one of the most active right now in kind of the NIL space. And their recruiting class was probably maybe better than people thought. Um, I'm trying to see where they are right now for, for 2023. Um, yeah, they've they got the number seven class in 2023, including a five-star quarterback. So I think that's something. Um, the, the top recruiting class in the country in 2022 um, was Texas A&M. And that was the best of the modern recruiting era, if you believe the rankings. Texas A&M isn't like a new startup school or anything like that. But for the last zillion years, it had been Bama or Georgia. And now you've got somebody else in the party. Uh, the number one recruit in the country last year flip from Florida State to Jackson State. The speculation has been that NIL was a was at least part of the reason why. So maybe we are seeing or will see a little bit of the talent leveling out where perhaps Alabama and Georgia say, we're not going to be as involved with NIL. But if you come to us, look, Georgia just had the, the most draft picks ever, 15 in, in this past draft. Come to us, we'll get you the league. Alabama can look at any receiver and say, um, you see the guys we've had before? You come to us, we'll get you to the league. And maybe there will be, you know, some some of the top receivers will say, yeah, I, I want to go there. I want to do that. But maybe yeah. some will say, I'll, I'll go where the money's greener right now. So maybe that is a way to kind of level things out a little bit. And it's even if it's just a little bit on the margins, right. maybe it will get to the point where, you know, the, the final four won't be, again, I think I've said it before on this show, Ohio State and, and Bama, I, I'm very, I'm pretty darn confident they're going to be in the playoff this year. Yep. And and I would guess one of the two will win it. And and maybe we'll, this this the way that the talent levels out, maybe it won't be quite that transparent and that obvious down the line. 
All right, Matt, let's go on the field now and some uh, pretty good development for Coach Jeff Scott over at USF. He gets a quarterback and one that has played at a high level for a very good team. Um, former Baylor Bear, Jerry Bohannon, commits to transfer to South Florida. This guy uh, won a, uh, I guess, a Big 12 championship, um, played in a big bowl game. So how, how large? I mean, quarterback is everything at every level. We know that. But what kind of a player are they getting, and what does this mean to the program? I think he's a really good player. Um, you know, Baylor has been one of the b- better programs here lately in the Big 12, and they've been they've been very strong. You get a guy with that kind of pedigree who's played at a high level. He was 18 touchdowns and seven interceptions last year. Started a bunch before he got hurt for a you know a team that was top 10. So having that kind of experience and that kind of talent is, is very good, obviously, especially at quarterback. I was a little surprised it happened just because – you know, I, I think Timmy McLean is very, very talented, and the Bulls have talked him up quite a bit. But either they'll compete, or maybe McLean can watch for a little bit while while Bohannon plays this year. That's probably not the worst thing, just because I think McLean's got a lot of uh, a lot of growth still ahead of him. Um, but look, it, it, the way things are right now w- with the portal, and um, I think USF and a have to, they have to show improvement on the field. Have to, have to, have to for a bunch of reasons. So to get a guy who who's played at a high level and can step in probably immediately, that they had to do it, and I think it's a good get for the Bulls. All right, Matt, and just uh, give me your thumbnails. Uh, it's been you know spring football has come and gone. It's been a while uh, since they did that, but uh, what can we say about you know any any quick thoughts about Florida State or Florida? Yeah, um, Florida and Florida State both have their quarterbacks settled, which it's not like a surprise, but that's still something. I mean, Anthony Richardson played very well in the spring, I thought. If he can be consistent and they can figure out how to get the most out of him, he's about as talented as any quarterback in the country. Yes, we, I agree. We haven't, seen, you know, we haven't seen enough yet. He's one career start, not saying Heisman, number one pick, anything like that. But he has the potential. And, and Jordan Travis at FSU – um, again, he continues to make progress. And if he stays healthy, Florida State's got a chance to have a nice season. I, I can see eight, maybe nine wins on this schedule if things break right um, wow. with FSU, which would be a big step in the right direction for them. Um, the big thing that surprises me, though, is the fact that the receivers in this state are, as a whole, underwhelming. Florida's receivers did not wow me in the spring game. Florida State's receivers did not wow me in the spring game either or during the season. Uh, that really, really surprises me that in this state, their the receiving core is as dry as it is because it wasn't good last year. And then this year they, they've had chances to they, they haven't gotten enough dudes who can play immediately to, to fix it. And, you know, I, I this I, I think the season as a whole is not going to be as historically bad as it was last year for for, for the state. But, you know. I, I'm not thinking uh, championships either, unless Miami can somehow win the Coastal, which that could happen. Yeah, it could be um, progress at, at Florida State with Mike Norvell. We've got a new head coach, obviously, at, at, at Florida. Um, Jeff Scott's going to be under a lot of pressure at USF to win some games, but he's got his quarterback. So hopefully the arrow is pointing up. It's always pointing up with Matt Baker, who's our college football writer, does a ton of things else uh, as well for us with the Tampa Bay Times. You can read them on tampabay.com. Matt, great talking to you again. Thanks, man. Sure. Thanks, Rick. Always great to talk to Matt. We've got Game 6, Lightning against Toronto. This could be it. It's an elimination game. Lightning have to win, try to force a Game 7 
Uh, that is tonight, of course. And then the NFL schedule is dropping around 8 p.m., I think, on NFL Network. And so we'll see how the games fall. Win, win, win. I'm sure it's going to be a, um, a lot of national TV games with Tom Brady and the boys. So that's something to look forward to as well. We'll talk about all of that on Friday. For Steve Erstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 